So the syndrome was actually described in, described in Nishwell. The syndrome is looking at a poppy field, which you see behind me. These are California poppies, and they happen to stay uniform. They're, they're, you've, it's hard to get in, in our, it's actually the state flower. And when you have a bloom like I have behind me, we it's hard to get a tall poppy. But if you get out of this poppy into most other poppies, it's very common to have a poppy spurred up. And so the metaphor is if you see that tall poppy in the field rather than the uniformity of the poppy in my field, that you want to cut that tall poppy down so that it's all uniform. Welcome to the Audacious Living Podcast, hosted by my man, Audley Stevenson, the odd man. He'll unpack wisdom and insights from a cross-section of top quality performers in business, media, sports, entertainment, and lifestyle to uncover key elements to help you live your best audacious life ever. So without further ado, here is The Odd Man. Greetings and salutations, folks. It's Audley Stevenson back for another edition of the most audacious podcast the internet has to offer. This is the Audacious Living Podcast, and I appreciate you for being here as we continue our ongoing goal of helping our listeners live their best audacious lives ever. As always, I encourage you to connect with us through our social media channels. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook under the handle The Audacious Pod. And if you're watching this episode on YouTube, then you know you just subscribe to our channel by tapping that bell below, and that way you're connected to all good things audacious related. Now, on this edition of The Audacious Living Podcast, we'll be dedicating it to poppies, and specifically specifically discuss the tall poppy syndrome and the impact it can have in our lives. Now, you're probably wondering, what the heck is a tall poppy syndrome? And allow me to sort of broaden your understanding a bit with an example, if you will. You know, we've all seen that noticeably successful person, whether they achieve their success through wealth, prestige, fame, status, rank, whatever. But we've seen that individual who who suddenly is subject to attack by others who just simply want to cut them down or tall poppied, if you will. So, you know, if, if you think of a, a field of, of poppies that are all blooming and they're all at the same height, and if one is a bit taller, there's a desire to cut it down in an attempt to maintain uniformity. And that's what the tall poppy syndrome is all about. It's really a, a fascinating topic, and it's for this reason why I'm glad that Doug Garland joins me on this edition of the podcast to dive into it a bit deeper and so we can understand the syndrome and, more importantly, the best ways we can combat it. Uh, Doug is also the author of the book, The Tall Poppy Syndrome, The Joy of Cutting Others Down, which you'll hear about. He'll touch on his book in our interview as well. So I think I've set the stage here and we're ready to go. So it's time to turn our attention over to my conversation with Doug Garland. Enjoy. Greetings, Doug. It is an absolute pleasure to have you join me here on the Audacious Living Podcast. Thank you so much for making the time to be here well i want to be here i like canada you're i like to think our favored nation but um i don't want to say that with mexico behind us so if i talk to them i might say the same but it's my pleasure to be there and and of course the subject is dear to my heart and canada has 
it's problems with the tall poppy syndrome. So I'm happy sure. to discuss an American sure. take on the syndrome. Sure. Well, whether Mexico, Canada, U.S., we're all friends here together. So that's what's the important thing. We're all friends together. And you alluded to the uh, the, the tall poppy syndrome, which I believe uh, isn't necessarily commonly known, at least the term. Maybe when we start to talk about people understand what it is and maybe, it's, may, maybe experience it themselves. Uh, but the tall poppy syndrome very much uh, uh, fits very, like we talked earlier, it fits very nicely with this podcast because so much that we talk about here is encouraging individuals to be their best audacious selves. And here, come, you know, here comes a, the tall poppy syndrome to suggest that that's not the way that we should live our lives. So maybe as a starting point for those who, don't understand it. I've heard it before or like, what? Like poppies hurt us? Like how can it be bad for us? I wonder, Doug, if you can kind of um, shed some light onto the TPS, AKA the tall poppy syndrome. So the syndrome was actually described uh, described in niche. Well, the syndrome is looking at a poppy field, which you see behind me. These are California poppies and they happen to stay uniform. They're there. It's hard to get in, in our it's actually the state flower. And when you have a bloom like I have behind me, we it's hard to get a tall poppy. But if you get out of this poppy into most other poppies, it's very common to have a poppy spurred up. And so the metaphor is if you see that tall poppy in the field rather than the uniformity of the poppy in my field, that you want to cut that tall poppy down so that it's all uniform. Now, that actually happened to me in my practice. And so which started me on a 10 year journey to understand uh, the syndrome. The, uh, the syndrome, I mean, it's sort of known in Canada, mm -hmm. sort of unknown, but in America, it's the US, it's really unknown. And so my premise was just what you're talking about. We, we have our individualism and our constitution and my original premises in writing the book was uh, I had started with ancient Greece uh, where it was described. And then Rome, Greece used the wheat cutting off the heads of wheat. So that was their metaphor. Okay. And then it was actually Rome and Livy and the great historian. And the Lat Rome was initially founded as a kingdom, which lasted 250 years to 500 B.C., the last kingdom, Tarquin the Proud, was when Levy actually described the syndrome of the poppy being cut down. He was a king. He sent his son to govern the adjacent town. The son was having difficulty, sent a messenger back. Uh, Tarquin took the messenger out into a field of poppies and leveled the tall ones. So okay. the messenger went back to uh, Sextus and told him what happened. And Sextus knew that he would have to topple the opposing heads of, of his city, which is what happened. That both ancient Greece and ancient Rome described the government. And I hate to say it, Canada's government does it in my book. Mm -hmm. uh, I devote uh, some time to discussing Canada. Most of it is uh, not good because I feel your government uh, may be trying to keep people equal up there or just doing politics, but your government mm -hmm. likes to cut people down. And by the conclusion of my book, I felt that the tall poppy syndrome was worse in America than any other English speaking country. 
Yeah. And our government is a huge, and I can also concluded that our go government is one of the biggest cutters of people, not only within their peer groups, peer-to-peer -peer politicians, but Democrat versus Republican, yes. but yes. the government agencies cutting the populace down. Mm. So the um, idea is, I first of all, your tall poppy is not my tall poppy. So okay. don't get hung up on that concept. Everybody okay. gets hung up on that. The okay. next problem comes into being of, well, you're not a tall poppy. You couldn't be cut down. So in order to get rid of that concept, I broke down the tall poppy syndrome into two groups, okay. the peer-to-peer, -peer, which is your tribe, and the public. And they're very two different entities. The, in the peer-to-peer, -peer, the cutter is the problem. Okay. And the cutter is driven by bad envy. So envy is, Aristotle actually uh, described envy as two components, good envy, uh, mm. bad envy good envy is looking at you and i think you're a handsome guy you're nice dress you got a nice beard so hey i think i'll go do that and get me a right. shape and try and see if i can look and be like you that's so it that's doug you're, you're great for my ego you're, you're great for my ego doug thank you keep it up <laughs> well but that's what it's all about really so <laughs> right you, right you should be you should be happy that somebody thinks like that, and that helps yes. your self-esteem. And sure. because I want to be like you and improve myself, that helps me. Now, that's the yes. way the world should go. Unfortunately, mm -hmm. uh, just like the Bible, things seem to be always negative. So the envy is bad envy where you cut somebody down. You feel you can't be like them. So the passive envy would be, directed towards disparaging remarks. Uh, active right. envy would be like if you had a nice car and I keyed it or stabbed the tire or something. Mm -hmm. So yeah. in the cutter, the cutter has a tendency to have low self-esteem and he perceives that he can't improve himself to cover what the tall poppy or the person is. And this is a really important concept because uh, for example, I feel a lot of race is more bullying than it is the tall poppy syndrome because peer-to-peer -peer concept is really important. So the bully type always goes down a social level. He can't bully upward because he doesn't right. have the power. Right. His power exists because there's a difference in economics class or something. That's a really good point. And that is a huge difference as to how I look at the tall poppy syndrome because the tall poppy syndrome starts in your family your mm -hmm. parents want to keep everybody the same and rightly so I grew up in a family of seven and I, my mother set up well you have birthdays at five ten and fifteen and everybody got those same birthday dates right right and right. you spent the same amount of money for each one in spite of inflation Yes. So, so the parents, <laughs> and rightly so, they try not to favor people. So it it comes uh, when you're first born in your tribe, in your household tribe, familial. Yes. And remember Cain and Abel, uh, malicious envy, drove one, yes. drove one to kill the other and kill the other one. 
Right. So it, it's prominent when we first start from our family. And then, of course, it happens in school. So you have used to be valedictorians were very important in the school system. Schools prided yes. yes. themselves on yep. having yep. smart kids. And now we're more prideful in everybody getting a trophy and everybody being equal. That's right. So, so the school also helps to cut down any tall poppies. And that really happens in sorry college. To cut, sorry to cut into there, but what, what, what's really interesting about that, Doug, is that uh, uh, when you use the example of families and the schools, you know, in, in both instances, it's done in the, in the sake or in the name of, you know, being equal or being fair or, or, or not even from a malicious standpoint, right? It's being done by this is the right thing to do to make it fair and equal for everyone. But there is nothing that says it has to be fair and equal. But that's wrong equal anyway. Equality is everybody having the same opportunity. And so yes. if you go to school and you have the same teacher, then everything goes. So if you want to be smart, if you want to study harder, if you want to improve yourself more than the next person, as far as I'm concerned, have at it. Yes. So I consider the equity equality that they talk about is really negative, negative in energy and negative envy. Yes. And that's the wrong message to teach people. I want to teach. I want to elevate people. I, I had some problem with the book because you get this negative connotation of bad emotions and stuff. And, you know, I come from I'm a physician. And in medicine, I don't want you don't come into my office telling me you feel good. I'm going to say, well, why are you here? I, I'm not going to be able to help <laughs> you learn anything from you. So we only learn right. in medicine, we only learn anything from disease. So I actually think you learn more from negative experiences than you do positive experiences. Every year there's books on how to improve yourself, 10,000 books yep. annually on self-improvement, whether it's cooking or home repair yes. or whatever. And nobody wants to be negative things. The problem with that, as far as I'm concerned, is those traits are, are almost universally simple. In uh, Tolstoy and Anna Karenia talking about happiness, he said, uh, all happy families are, are the same. And all unhappy families are unhappy for different reasons. Right. And there's a lot of truth to all that and to uh, the issues that we're talking about. So good habits um, are successful people and they're very, very similar, but bad people have a lot of other reasons and circumstances of why things aren't right. So I actually, think the book is a and the concept of the tall poppy syndrome is is um, a good self-growth if you understand the syndrome and you're looking out the window say uh, will smith and chris rock that's a mm -hmm. perfect example of the tall poppy syndrome now the viewer has a role in that so you're looking out the window at the behavior of those two people yes. and you're making a judgment your own bias now comes into that's the premise of not my tall poppies, not yours. Right. So hopefully you grow in that situation as well as they do, because you look at that bad behavior and maybe and think, well, gee, I was in a similar situation like that.
So mm-hmm. that's how it helps. But so back to the peer-to-peer. So I want to get to the public because it's different. So the peer-to-peer envy or, or is driven by the cutter. The most common causes are bad envy, which is mm-hmm. prominent and by far away the most right. important, then anger, and then actually laziness. I mean, you're just too lazy to to work hard and to improve yourself. And if you right. do that, then don't cut anybody out. If you're happy in your situation, leave people alone. So then in the public, that's a different concept. That's a true tall poppy. In America, we have more tall poppies than any place. So we have our athletes that make the mega millions. We have our CEOs and we have our media, which is really a problem. And of course we have Hollywood. So we have a lot of tall poppies here. And yeah, yeah. for one reason, the, the cutting situation occurs this way. It occurs by a cutter, but now the cutter feels justified in cutting the tall poppy down because their behavior was not generally accepted. And that negative behavior on the tall poppy, which would be Will Smith, he, he's so prideful. Most The most common emotion and reason cutters get cut or tall poppies get cut down is hubris to excessive pride. Yes. Number two is greed. And number three is lust. Mm. So I, so the emotional makeup between the cutter in the peer to peer is different from the tall poppy who actually in, in, in the end is really cutting himself down. Yes, yes, yes. And yes. the most fascinating thing about all this, as far as I'm concerned, is I've described six mm-hmm. of seven deadly sins. Three okay. are found in the cutter and three are found in the tall poppy. And the only sin we've left out is uh, gluttony, which is fine. But if you just think of nobody's going to remember and know these like the back of their hand, like I do, but if sort of as a guidepost if you see the tall poppy syndrome then think of the seven sins and it helps you decide who who you think is wrong in this instance and i can just tell you when i see i have two daughters and when i Mm -hmm. go home to see them and they're talking about their tribe and their neighbors for me it's very funny because i'm not part of the of the madness that goes on in these in your tribe and titting and tatting and those things that happen. And I can pick out very readily who's at fault and what emotion is driving the situation. Right, right. You said something, Doug, that I, I, uh, uh, that I really appreciate. And you said, not, you know, not all tall poppies are the same uh, and uh, um, uh, that they're different. My tall poppy may be different from someone else's. Right. And I, 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 really, I really do, uh, why that speaks to me is from the, uh, um, the standpoint of just individuality and the importance of us being who we are. Um, again, on this podcast, we talk about, you know, being, you know, you're, you're, you're taking that step that you need to take for yourself to do all kinds of great, great things. And so I think that really is a big part of that, recognizing that, you know, you are going to be different and, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. It's okay. It's actually encouraged. Yeah, you actually want that. It's actually good for you um, to differentiate yourself. Uh, but you need a mentor. I mean, we have, um, I mean, that's why we have heroes and we have statues and things to emulate people 
everybody has a fault. I mean, people just won't cut people a break anymore. It's like we see somebody tall and now we nitpick and try and find out what's wrong with in their past that maybe we can take them down. So right. we we need to, I think the world needs to take a break and cut everybody some slack mm-hmm. and, and appreciate goodness in people and, the, and their good traits. And it's important to, you, you know, you, your country, you can improve, your family can improve, your neighborhood can improve, if you don't have a tall poppy, you're going nowhere as a society. So we we need to embellish tall poppies and people that that are standing out, not cut them down. We we right. you're not going to move if you don't. You know if you want to play tennis, don't pick somebody worse than you. You'll never get better. <laughs> what fun is that? You know, pick Serena Williams. Right, right, you know, right. The best. That's how you. That's how you improve yourself. Yeah, yeah, no, and 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 I and I, and I get that, and I think you're absolutely right from a from a developmental standpoint. You know, to get to that better place, you've got to challenge yourself appropriately. Um, I, I think what we oftentimes see is individuals are just afraid to step into themselves because of the the backlash, the ridicule, um, the cutting down, and, and it just seems to be that that there's a I want to say a, 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 a pleasure for lack of a better word, if you will, in cutting down people. And I'd love to maybe get your take on why, why do you think that happens? Why do you think there's an enjoyment from, from, from cutting people down from being their best selves? Well, we're, that's a good point. So um, I, there's two points that I dedicated my, the book to my four grandkids. And okay. I did that because I, I said, may, may you grow to be tall. So I, I well, I want to infuse that in them that that I want them to be tall and it's okay to be tall and and that should be an aspiration for you as you're growing up. To um, Teddy Roosevelt called it being in the arena, being in the arena of life. You know, you got to get in there and you you got to fight and you you got to grow and be good. Right. Um, but the the. So your bad envy is driving the peer-to-peer, which is the most common. It doesn't get talked about, um, which is one reason I wrote the book. We know the public, even though we don't know the name, but we we see that happen. Now, the more interesting thing when that happens is what happens afterwards, which mm. is called schadenfreude. And so do you know that term, schadenfreude? No, not familiar with it. Okay, so Schadenfreude is a German. Germans, the German language doesn't expand. Okay. I mean, English, you know, we can make, we can continue to make words up. Yes. The Germans are not that fortunate. So they, they take two different words and they make a new word out of that, or sometimes even three words. So right. Schadenfreude is actually two words and it means. Uh, it comes from one means harm and mm-hmm. and the other is joy. So it's right. just what you're describing. You actually, it helps your self-esteem if you cut somebody down and you feel good about it. Yes. And that's why people, so it, it, here we have Trump, who's such a polarizing figure in America. When he um, got COVID, mm-hmm. 
Schadenfreude on the internet was a high. I follow Schadenfreude and the tall poppy syndrome on okay. the, on Google searches. Okay, okay. And it was the highest uh, Schadenfreude that had ever been recorded. Was the announcement that he had COVID. Wow. And guess what? The second one just came up with his the raid on his estate down in Florida. Yes. So that actually, once again, is bad envy. It ends experimentally, both tall poppy syndrome and schadenfreude are in the emotional center where envy is, and both syndromes turn envy on. In this case, it's bad. But let me explain a couple good things about, about um, schadenfreude. Schadenfreude okay. is actually a good envy component as well as the bad envy. So if you look at Hollywood, in the old days, all the movies were based, not all, but the majority of them were based on schadenfreude. Mm -hmm. Our Wild West was the um, good guy winning out in the tug of war, usually sort of a kind of duel between the guy in the white hat and the black hat and shooting him dead or getting him in jail or whatever. And the public, that makes you feel good. And so you walk out of the theater feeling great. And that's what the movie experience used to be about. And so today I talk about uh, we're driving down a busy freeway mm -hmm. and some jerk pulls in front of you and you have to hit the brakes and yep. have a little anger driven and and it always seems to be a fancy car and a hot dog. And so five miles down the road, there you see him pulled over on the side. And, and he's either got a cop giving him a ticket or he's got a little fender bender. Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, your frown turns to a smile and you're going to have your best day at work ever. So that's that's a sort of a good example, OK, of schadenfreude yeah. and how you can actually have a little fun with somebody else's pain. <laughs> um, I wonder, and actually maybe because you start, you talked earlier about uh, you having your own experiences uh, with the tall poppy syndrome. I wonder if you sort of give some of that context just for our own uh, listeners so they can have an understanding. Uh, well, I, I don't want to be, I don't want to brag, but I had a very successful academic career in medicine. I was at mm -hmm. UC in Los Angeles, practiced there. That particular, I published over 110 scientific articles. At that particular time in my career, I was running a spinal cord injury unit, one of the more prominent ones in the States. I was president of the Spinal Injury Association of America. And I was um, going to go to Australia, which is the home to the Troll Proppy Syndrome. Australia was founded as a penal colony for okay. England. Okay. And that culture's continued to be um, very egalitarian. So the setup is that Australia, uh, most of the year I spent doing research was studying the Australian experience about right. the tall poppy syndrome. Anyway, I was to go there. I was making arrangements to spend six weeks, at, a week each at their each individual's unit. Mm -hmm. When I got back from the meeting, I had a note on my door that uh, my big corner office with the window mm -hmm. went down to a little cubby hole. 
And man, I just couldn't figure out what happened. So I went home and told my wife who has good emotional intelligence. And, and at that time, there was a book out that was um, Who Moved My Cheese? Yes. And she said, you just had your cheese moved. And oh, before that, so she said, uh, just quit. And I'll, I'll take a day off. She was a working nurse. And we'll take Fridays off and enjoy L.A., which is really smart after 30 years of hard work. So I went back to the hospital, brought in two big plastic containers, threw all, all my research, all my talks, all the publications, all the conferences we put on. I just threw everything in the box. I put my key on the desk and I walked out. I didn't say goodbye to anybody. I just evaporated. And I called the people in in Australia. And I said, I'm not coming. There's been a, I've had a professional change and they wanted to know why. And I explained it to them. And they said, my goodness, you've been tall poppy. And I said, what? And they, you've been tall poppy. And, you know, I couldn't wrap my arms around that term. I, I just, I couldn't get the concept. Right. So uh, I didn't go with, and I spent, um, 10 years, I just did my private practice and finished up, but I couldn't get that tall poppy syndrome and tall poppied out of my head. Yeah. So I retired. I spent a year in the library doing the background research, the history of the world, different cultures, uh, different societies. And lo and behold, I found it everywhere. And that then led to the premise that why wasn't it in America? And it was because of individualism and my premise for the book turned out wrong. What I did was I took the New York Times, LA Times, Wall yeah. Street Journal, Time Magazine. I took all these periodicals and every day I searched for examples of the tall poppy syndrome. And guess what? Every day I found examples. I mean, so in the end, I concluded that I thought there was more tall poppy syndrome in America than even Australia. Mm. So I actually tweet, uh, I have a tweeter account, and I still, uh, I don't do the thorough search, but I kind of do an American search all the time. And nice. and uh, I tweet, if I see an example of the tall poppy syndrome, I tweet, it, tweet that article out and why I think it's an example and who's, who's the bad behavior. So yeah, yeah, that, yeah. That's, that's how you can learn, actually, is to follow my tweets. Mm -hmm. is to go along with me and see what's happening. I mean, when Tweet had his, had his play, uh, Trump had his place rated, I, I put the tweet out. Uh, this is an example of the tall poppy syndrome. Is okay. the government at fault is, or is Trump at fault? So sometimes I let the viewer use their own bias. Sure. As, a, as we started the talk, your tall poppy is not mine. So don't get hung up on that. People are yes. different. And yes. we all have different heroes. Yes. So don't, I don't, I love very much. Yeah. Don't get caught up, caught up on uh, chicken poop. Is, I can't say what I want to say, but it's chicken poop. Don't get caught up on the little stuff. Forget right. get that. Just, just get the concept of trying to make people equal and yes. bad behavior either on the cutter's part mm -hmm. or the egregious activity of the tall poppy. But really it's important to understand that peer to peer and with, within your group, it's so sad. 
because you you pick your tribe. Yep. You can't stand you just you just can't stand goodness. But you know, it's just like the Bible. We just can't stand being good. Yes. <laughs> in your own tribe, which is supposed to be friendly. We sometimes try and and screw that up. You know, we, right. it's kind of like you saying either we're afraid to go tall or we don't somebody else in our in our peer group to go tall. What's right. it gonna be? Yes, and yeah. The yeah, problem yeah. is Canada, America, there's abundance. There, That's there's right. countries for everybody in the countries to grow tall. That's right. Not That's a right. zero sum game, you know. One guy goes tall, the other guy has to get cut down. The story is everybody can be great. We all have opportunities to be great. Find somebody you think is great, study him, emulate him, and improve yourself. Gotcha. Gotcha. No, it makes listen, it makes total, total sense. And I and I love the the, the thoroughness and the explanation around it because uh, I would imagine as people are listening, many will clue and go, Yeah, I did experience that. I know exactly what it is. So it's quite common as you alluded to and suggested, uh, because it is something that's out there. The question, Doug, that I have is if you uh, are experiencing this and able to label it, right? And, not, and we can't always do that in the moment, right? But if we're, if we're able to label or identify that this is tall poppy syndrome, what are some ideas or steps on how to navigate through that? Because in certain settings, um, it can be very, very challenging. Like for example, the workplace setting, right? And, you know, you could- oh, Awful, you know, right. I yeah. mean, it's good, but the first, and once again, I, I mean, I spent my career in medicine and medicine is just a wonderful profession. It's an old profession, so they've worked through, even though they totally screwed COVID up as far as I'm personally concerned. Mm -hmm. I mean, it became more of a political disaster, really, than a, than a public health issue. And while we're on that subject, let me tell you something. There's a difference between individual choice and public mm -hmm. policy. And, okay. and so that's the things of the tall poppy syndrome. You have to step back and figure out. So what's good for the public is not necessarily microscopically coming down what's good for the individual, but if the individual follows that policy, the public will be better off. So, but anyway, so in, once again, if we're using the medical model, uh, you have, you have to, you know, be able to diagnose them. How if I can't I can't cure it if I don't diagnose it, and so you can't cure the tall poppy syndrome no. unless you can see it and understand it. So that's right. why this common problem is so important because it happens. It's going. I'm telling you, your your listeners are going to now see it in their family. They're going to see it in their peers. Yes. They're going to see it in the workplace. Yes. So number one diagnose it yes. to remember the behaviors are it can be in the cutter it can be in the tall poppy or i have to say you self-reflect and then you can be part of the problem yes. and i have yes. to also tell the listeners that if you're cut down that's probably the best thing that ever happened to you i mm -hmm. was down it was a career change for me i had the best experience in my private practice, which I had just labored through, but I enjoyed it because I wasn't doing research and doing other things. Mm -hmm. And then I wrote this book, which was a fantastic experience for me. 
So just because somebody get cut you down, don't become a victim. Figure out what happened to you and go from there. So the first thing you have to do is diagnose it. Look at the behavior of whoever cut you down in yourself. You have to self-reflect and you have to remember it's, it's all about emotions and competition. And if somebody was picked for you over a job, it's not necessarily that they were better than you are. They check a box. They need a female. They need an accountant. They need an attorney. People aren't as dumb as you think they are. They, they have their reasons and you didn't fit that reason. So grow every time that happens to you and veer off. And if in fact, if it's a good experience, maybe this isn't the company for you. You don't think like them or they don't think like you. So get out. Don't be, don't cry. Don't make a, make it blame everybody else. Stand up and put your boots on and pull your pants up and figure out if you're going to stay and compete and get the next position yeah. or look, look elsewhere. Right. So it's not bad to be cut down. I, I, you know, I was cut down. I actually was in the army, which is, you know, the army is very hierarchical Absolutely. in the world to be, because uh, you have, you're never right. You're never going to be top dog. And so you're always going to be cut down. And so that's one of the first things you, that my brother taught me, who was also in the army, said the first thing you got to remember is the army's got a way to screw you no matter what you do. <laughs> and there's a lot of truth to that. You you yeah, have yeah. you can't go to your mom and dad. There's you can't complain <laughs> to anybody. So you got to right. figure it out. You got to right. find the right guy to emulate and figure it out. Nice. So that's the that's so know the emotions and know your response and figure out you have plenty of options. Yes. You're in control of your own destiny, not the company. If you don't like to, if you think the company, I had to serve my two years before I got out, but I got out. I couldn't wait to get out. So if if that's not right, don't, don't stay in a bad situation and go negative and, and have it ruin your life. You know, you're in control. You're in absolute control. And so you have to, if you get cut down, self-reflect yes was it me was it them is there going to be another opening do i have a chance am i really liked here or is this the type of job i really want are these the people i want to be associated with and for goodness sakes start looking if the if the answers all are turning up no yeah 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 well i, I love the self-reflection piece because uh, that really starts with us, right? All things start with us and oftentimes they end with us too. But the starting point of looking at sort of what am I doing? How am I contributing? Uh, what, what impact is this having? I think those are all important questions to ask, ask ourselves and be able to ask ourselves to move on to that next phase of, of, of as we continue to navigate, you know, TPS. Do you know the biggest problem in most, the, in most people's lives? What's that? The space between their ears. Mm-hmm. most commonly you're the problem yes you know you you got baggage so you got to self-reflect i mean I, I i self-reflected with being cut down i can tell you another another you know you go if you're a bully for example unless somebody's mm-hmm. i mean that's one thing about marriage or a spouse or something there you know or, or even your kids 
I never listened to my kids as much <laughs> as I did my wife. Well, I mean, right. you know, kids are always ragging on you. So, I yeah. mean, you can do anything right in your kid's mind, but that's the, that's their, the kid's role in life is to win the fight over their parents. So mm-hmm. that's, that's something you have to let it learn and, and let them have a little hollow victory every now and then. But usually your spouse is very good at identifying negative aspects in your personality. Right. Right. So, so every now and then you do have to think about that and to figure out sooner or later that there is some truth to what they tell you, but that also helps in life. But in life, most of the time you blow it off and blame the other people. Right. Right. So I actually had a good incident. My, um, I was mid career and I'm, <clears throat> my private practice closed down the hospital where I was working. So I I was recruited to another group, which was one of the premier groups in LA. And I was, I wasn't happy. I went from a very small community place to um, a a hospital, which was big time. And while I was there and joined this group, I was the little man in the big picture. <laughs> right. And so I'm sitting at a meal with one of my former students mm-hmm. at a conference. And he we're just talking about things and how you do it and this and that. And he says to me, How are you doing? And I go, Well, how do you think I'm doing? I'm practicing with three alpha males. It's mm-hmm. terrible. And he's and he looks at me with this quizzical look on his face and he says, well, I don't see why that's a problem. Right. And I said, what do you mean? And he goes, well, you're one too. You just hide it better than they do. <laughs> and that was a real turning point from, from that moment on. You know, when I went back to my practice, yeah. I thought very differently about the entire situation. Sure. So we need those wake up calls in our life. They're not, yes. if you read the book, it, I like to talk about tall poppies having a Rubicon moment, which is when Caesar crossed the Rubicon River and he took his troops. And that was against the law of the Senate because they knew there was going to be a power play. And of course, Caesar threw the country into um, civil war and, and gotcha. of course, then became tall poppy himself, which is a fabulous story, I think. But Anyway, we, we need those wake-up calls um, to cause self-reflection and to maybe yes. how we're doing things. Yeah, and self-reflection is such a, such an important piece, Doug. I mean, we don't grow, we don't develop, uh, we don't get to that next place, that next level, if we're not, we're not growing into the person that we're supposed to be. And so um, I think that's a really, really good point. You mentioned your book. I wonder if you sort of talk about uh, your, your, your book and what made you write it. Did you see yourself becoming an author or is that something that just happened over the time for you? Well, I think I had low self-esteem. You know, I grew you don't know. I grew up in a small farm town, about uh, 400 people in central <laughs> Iowa, great farming community. My parents, my father ran a grain elevator. My mother was from a farm family. Yeah, and I, you know, and I, I end up in medicine, which, it, it, this journey itself was kind of weird because who would think I would think like that? And I, th- I did a lot of writing, scientific writing. I think to improve my self-esteem, that give me strength. You know, that I was a good doctor, kind of a little bit yeah, of the yeah, imposter yeah. syndrome. Yeah. 
yeah. And so I, I did a lot of writing. And the, the thing I enjoyed uh, most in my practice was actually the writing. I did the private practice to make a living, but I was happiest when I was writing. So I, I always thought that I might write something when I retired. And then the tall poppy syndrome happened, fell into my lap. <laughs> it was absolutely fantastic. So I, uh, yeah, when people ask me what I do, I do say that it makes me feel good. I tell them I'm an author, but you know, if you're on a, on a book tour, you do your book or you try and get an agent, do your query letters and stuff. They all want you branded. It's like, well, you know, I'm not interested in spending all this time on you. So, yeah. you know, you, you need five books in your mind. So I have those five books. So I'm trying to actually close this chapter and see if I am bold enough to set down to do the next book. But it, I, I mean, I have a whole series on the tall poppy syndrome that it, the this book that I published was really kind of a history of the world looking through the lens of the tall poppy syndrome. Right. And mo right. most people, if you read the reviews on Amazon, say it's a history lesson, and it really is. Yeah. Yeah. I, turn the, I turn how boring history is and look at it, look at it from the view of tall poppies and how tall poppies matter and how tall poppies do bad things because yeah. sooner or later you're going to run into bad world leaders. Yes. But it's a fascinating history lesson. It's a, obviously a study of the emotions. I, I spend a lot of time breaking emotions down. Yeah. And in the end, it's a pretty good uh, self-help book. There's a lot of examples when I do, when I like when I did Canada, I, there's mm -hmm. three or four examples. Don Cherry, you know, the the announcer, he, yeah. he's one of my examples of uh, tall poppy syndrome when mm. he cut himself down uh, during the poppy, poppy day, whatever, the yeah. poppy remembrance day. Yes. So, uh, each country. So, so the story storytelling part actually is when I do a country, like when I do Australia, mm -hmm. when I show examples of the tall poppy syndrome. So the storytelling comes in of people that are tall and get cut down. So each country is kind of fascinating and different yep. from the other country. Yeah. The emotions yep. are going to be the same. People are the same. Yes. The same person that got cut down and in Australia, probably would also eventually be a tall poppy and cut down for the same bad behavior sure. in Canada. Sure. But the culture and everything's different. So if, if I'm talking about the Scandinavian countries or Nordic, you know, it's it's a it's a different twist because of the culture. So it's kind of fun to look at the different societies, but see the basic emotions stay the same. Yes. Uh, the outcome's going to be the same, but the storyline's going to be different and kind of fun. So it's a it's a kind of a fun history lesson in a way and remembering back things you learned yes. in high school, but being taught at a different twist. So uh, leads you to maybe think, well, Dr. Garland, maybe you should write a book about the tall poppy syndrome in the Bible, which would probably be my next one, uh, because the, the Bible is interesting because 
it's really people driven more than event driven by that i mean somebody like moses mm -hmm. um, versus world war ii or world war one or something like that and where you have tall poppies mm -hmm. there's gonna be a lot of emotion a lot of emotion on either side and a lot of emotion within within the the hero right so the bible you don't get very i mean you, you actually um, Adam and Eve, when you first start the Bible, actually, it's very unusual because women aren't usually prideful. Yes. And here we have an example. First out the gate is Adam and Eve, and Eve is the prideful one, not Adam. It was Eve, actually, that conned Adam into joining her. But she actually, of course, they both got tall poppy by God yes. right off the bat in, in Cain and Abel. So it just goes on. I mean, we are... Or in Adam and Eve, and then turns right around Cain and Abel. So I was going to do thinking about doing the whole Bible, but there were so many examples just in general. Yeah. I couldn't even get out of my way to find stuff to write about. But anyway, there's tweets I wanted to do. Okay. Uh, pick out tw the tweets that had the most retweeting or something in a year's time and explain the article that it came from and why he tweeted. So there's lots of things for me to do. Gotcha. 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 Well, Doug, I really appreciate the enlightenment and, and, and uh, open up our eyes a little bit to tall poppy syndrome. Like I said, it's not something that's probably, it's not commonly known, but I think everyone can relate to it at some point or another. And so I appreciate you opening up um, our understanding of that a bit. Uh, for our listeners who wanted to, to to learn more about you or or even learn more about tall poppy syndrome, where, where can we send them, Doug? So the simplest thing is to just uh, go to my website, which is Doug Garland, 2G-C-O-U-G-G-A-R-L-A-N-D.com. And on that um, are some of my podcasts, lots of tweets, blogs, uh, there's the opening podcast is fast is really good. It's the number one. If you go on YouTube and and type in tall poppy syndrome, that podcast comes up number one. And if you type in Google tall poppy syndrome, usually either my book or my website comes up on that first page. Gotcha. But, uh, the tweets are good. The blogs are good. good. And there's a really the audio book is really good. I had a wonderful uh, man read read the book which is just fantastic i, I just love listening to him awesome. so it's it's basically there I, I tweet a lot but i i don't like too much of social media because um there's a lot of evil in the social media and i think yeah. i'm a better person if i stay away from that stuff. <laughs> you and me both doug you and me both <laughs> I hear you. and i can relate so listen i i i guess and i super appreciate this this has been such a great great chat thank you so much and keep up the great work doug thank you i appreciate it and hope we stay in touch for sure 
Back we are on the podcast, and I really want to send out my thanks and appreciation to Doug uh, for being here and, and deepening understanding of what the tall poppy syndrome is all about and the direct attack it has on our own individuality. Of course, uh, you can pick up a copy of his book over on Amazon. The book is entitled The Tall Poppy Syndrome, The Joy of Cutting Others Down. And, and again, I I'd encourage your listeners to definitely do so. And again, deepen and broadening uh, your understanding even more. Uh, thanks again, Doug. Uh, again, my, my appreciation and gratitude uh, for you being here. You know, when I, when I think back to my conversation with Doug, he really left us with a lot of great nuggets of insight and wisdom. But if there's just one thing that I would take from my chat with him, it would be this. It's only natural that once you start to experience some form of success in either your personal or professional life, that you'll be subject to, to some form of criticism or attack by others who want to bring you down and prevent you from standing out. Listen, Life would be so much better if these things didn't happen, but that's not realistic. Attacks on your character and reputation are bound to happen, especially as you grow and find that success. Jealousy, envy, and other emotions can enter people's minds and cause them to want to damage you or even attack your reputation. The key is to stay focused and continue to do the things that made you successful. Don't let others pull you into their mud by firing back because suddenly you'll become no different than them. And then lastly, use your natural innate skills and abilities to offer as much value to others as you possibly can. You can't let the negativity of other individuals keep you from standing tall, shining your light, and living your best audacious life. Hey, listen, if you haven't registered for email notifications of the podcast, please know that you can do so simply by heading over to bestaudaciouslife.com, enter in your email address, and you'll be alerted every time we've got brand new content that comes out. We've come to the end of, an, of another episode of the Audacious Living, pa, 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 Audacious Living Podcast, sadly. And as always, I need to send out a sh shout out and thanks uh, to those lovers of audaciousness, those viewers and listeners and supporters that help keep this thing going. Uh, your support is always appreciated and I can't thank you enough. So again, thank you, thank you, thank you. That's still not enough. I gave you three thank yous, four thank yous, and that's still not enough. And I really, really do appreciate that. Until next time, Stay safe, be kind, show love to one another, and be audacious. You've been listening to the Audacious Living Podcast, hosted by Audley Stevenson. If you enjoyed what you heard, be sure to like, subscribe, and share. Until next time, be audacious.